You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. So glad you joined us today for live worship, a thrill to be together however way we can and online. Glad you've joined us as well from your living rooms. We pray that we're all mutually encouraged and blessed and pointed towards Jesus Christ today. And so don't turn with me in your Bibles to Obadiah. I know you already have your bookmarks there because you knew it was coming. You wouldn't be able to find it. Don't turn to Obadiah today. Uh, I haven't done this often in our ministry, but we're punting Obadiah for a different sermon today. We're going to go to Philippians. And so Philippians chapter 1 is where we are, figured at the end of a week that has been, as David said, very difficult. Cult, uh, for us anyways, maybe for some of you. Uh, we thought we'd come with a word of encouragement today rather than a word of judgment with which Obadiah brings. And uh, let's be honest, this last week has been um, one of the ages. Uh, we didn't expect when we started 10 years ago that we would be here in this place almost 10 years to the day where we'd be moving on uh, from this ministry. And to be honest, our hearts are really heavy and we're really grieved that we're going to be leaving you, but I don't want to leave on a sad note. I want to leave on a high because I want to today remind us of all that God has done in 10 years and all that he is going to do in the years ahead. And so I don't plan to preach something like this at the end of August when that came around, but I realized um, throughout the week that... It's been hard for a lot of us. I said whenever someone steps down in church as a pastor, there's those that are sad, those that are mad, and those that are glad. And I'm sure there are some that are here that are mad and some that are sad and some that are glad. And yet I've found that over the past week, the overwhelming response we've got is the sadness one. And so I didn't figure it would do any good to say, hey, you're Obadiah, you're up here on your lofty throne, God's ripping you down and you're going to be looted and you've been treating people inhumanely. didn't think that was the message for today. You with me on that? So, so you can go ahead and read that this afternoon in your Bibles. Uh, Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament. It's only going to take you about five minutes, but let that message sink in. But I wanted to turn us to hope and hope in Jesus Christ and hope in all that he has done for us and is doing in us and is doing through us. And so Philippians 1 is what uh, the passage that came to my mind yesterday, yesterday morning, actually. I studied Obadiah all week yesterday morning. God's like, no, 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 what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. That was the plan. God's like, get off that plan. Get on my plan. So Philippians 1, and we're just going to study here uh, just the joy that Paul had in partnering with the church of Philippians for the gospel. So many parallels to our lives. So many parallels of what God has done and what God is going to do. Let me read it for you. Then let me pray. And I encourage you as we go throughout this season, let's not try and figure out the whys, the ifs. Let's not try and be the negatives. Well, this is the reason. That's the reason. Forget all that stuff. Let's focus on Jesus Christ. Let's focus on Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done and what he is doing. Here's what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians uh, chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, verse 3. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this. I am sure of this. I'm not sure of many things, but I'm also sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, us, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me in grace. 
both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so you may, be, you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Let me pray, then let's dig into this. And I pray, set our hearts ablaze for what God is going to do in the days ahead. Father, we thank you for the way you are sovereign over everything. You ordain, God, our lives. You ordain the seasons. You ordain our seasons. And Father, we acknowledge that we don't understand the mind of the Lord sometimes, and that's a good thing because that makes you God and us, us. But we do understand this, God, that you are always good. You are always moving and guiding for your purposes, for the good of your church and the individual lives of those within your family. And so God, today we pray that we'd remember the good things you've done and we look forward to the things you're going to do. And even for the rest of the summer, God, we wouldn't be distracted by all the announcements this week, but we'd have our minds and hearts fixed on the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, point number one this morning, the theme of Philippians, you know, is joy. Paul is writing from a Philippians jail, and he's telling us to have joy. And like, how can you have joy in jail? Well, Paul is telling us exactly the whole book of Philippians. And this introduction shows us a great picture of the joy that we can have, starting first and foremost with our spiritual family. Point number one, our spiritual family cannot be underestimated. This is Paul's message in verses one to five. Our spiritual family cannot be underestimated. Look at this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. Notice how it starts here. Servants of Christ. All, nothing else matters in the times of hardship as Paul's in jail. What's the matter? What, what matters? He is a servant of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's a slave of Jesus Christ. He's sold out to Jesus Christ. Christ is his dependence and Christ is his everything. That's us as a church. Servants and slaves of Jesus Christ above all else. Servants of Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Well, the saints, I mean, this was like the super church that was like the super Christian church. I mean, there was no sin in the church. There's like, ooh, the saints. And they walked down the street, you know, the, the, the street lamps glowed and the, and the uh, clouds seemed to part. No, the, the saints, because of the work of Jesus Christ, broken sinners, yet saved by the glory of Jesus Christ. And so he's saying to the saints in Jesus Christ who are saved by the grace of God, who are walking in the grace of God, uh, this is for you with the overseers and the deacons, the saints who are at Philippi. Grace to you and peace from God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice what he's asking God for them. He's not asking for them for material blessings. He's not asking them for, for all the things that we normally ask for in our prayers. God, can you? God, will you? God, I want. What he's asking for them for is what they need the most, grace, more grace to keep walking with Jesus, more grace to see the power of God. And he's asking for them to have peace. And not just superficial peace, but the peace of God, the peace and assurance that God is with them and that God will carry them through whatever season they are going to come. Already you can see the joy that we can have in every season just to know that we are slaves of Jesus Christ, that, that we are saints, we are sinners, guaranteed. But in Jesus' eyes, because of the gospel, we're saints, and God has promised us grace and peace to carry us throughout our whole lives. Isn't there a reason for joy already? I know it's been a week of sadness for me too, but is there a reason to rejoice already in the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ? Let's stop and think about this spiritual family in Philippi that, that Paul is writing to. 
How did this family come about? Was it a church that kind of Paul went in and parachuted into and kept preaching? No, this is a church that God planted. This is a church that was brought together by God himself. Remember in Acts 16 on Paul's second missionary journey, it was Paul and Silas and Timothy. They're taking the gospel and they were basically going around the world and they got to Asia. The Holy Spirit said, stop, you're not going into Asia. Well, that's odd. That's on our travel plans. God's like, hey, my travel plans aren't your travel plans. Then they went to go into uh, Bithynia and God put the stop sign up in Bithynia again. And so in a dream, Paul's like, God, what's going on? What's going on? In a dream, he saw this man from Macedonia begging them to come and help them. So God does still speak through dreams. God spoke in a dream, and so they went then to Philippi. Philippi was a large city, kind of think London, Ontario. It was, economy was strong, educational institutions. They even had agriculture and the arts there, but the one thing they didn't have was Jesus Christ. And so this is a happening place, but missing out of the gospel. This is the first touch of the gospel in Europe was in Philippi. And so Paul and his crew's like, hey, this must be God leading. They go to Philippi, and the first person they meet in Philippi inside the gates is a woman named Lydia. This is all, again, in Acts 16. Lydia was a believer in God, religious woman, sold purple. She was purple garments and stuff. She was very wealthy. Purple was a sign of wealth. And she knew all about God, had this belief in a higher power, but didn't know, couldn't connect the dots to Jesus Christ. So Paul starts preaching, and she becomes saved, first convert. Think of the people that God has drawn together to become your spiritual family. Your spiritual family is the most significant family, even sometimes apart from your physical family, because we're tied together with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to tell you this morning, brothers, is don't let anything rip that apart. Consider where we came from. Consider how God's knit us together. Don't let anything rip that apart. Amen. It's still special. It's still meaningful. Because God has done it. Cherish each other. One of the things I think we've missed out on the past number of years is we started strong. We all loved it. We got so busy with other things. We stopped cherishing each other. Cherish each other. Spend time together. Love each other. This is your spiritual family that God has brought you to. It's so easy now in this season to start thinking about all the whys and all the how comes and and all the negatives maybe even. Don't do that, please. It doesn't do anything for your soul or anything for the glory of God. Rejoice in what God has done. Are you with me here? Amen. You can show an amen now because no one's video recording. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we... Thankful that we met everyone here. I'm thankful that God brought you into our lives. I'm thankful that God brought us into your lives. That cannot be changed. Guess what? Family's still family until we meet Jesus. And then guess what? It's still family. But finally perfect. Cherish your spiritual family. This is what Paul's doing here. It's not a perfect spiritual family. Anyone have a, a perfect family in their own households? Their own extended family? Anyone have a perfect family? None of us. This isn't either. The church is an imperfect family, but yet it's God's family. And you're a part of the one at Harvest Niagara. I encourage you to cherish it. Why do we come together? It goes on to say this. Why do we come together? We came together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying. Thank God. I thank God for you. I trust most of you will thank God for me. I hope and pray in our family. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm just going to grab my cell phone because I can't read my Bible with my glasses. 
There we go. Shed some light on the whole thing, right? But why do we come together? Partnership in the gospel. That's what establishes church. Why do we come together as a church? Because we want to make more friends and have, have more socials and strawberry shortcakes and stuff like that? No, we didn't. Why do we come together? Because we wanted to partner in the gospel. We want to see the gospel come together and impact the community at large for the glory of Jesus Christ. And it's far easier to do that together than apart. God didn't bring us together for our own desires, our own agendas, our own hopes and dreams, God brought us together to preach the gospel to our region. I said it before, it's even greater now. Now there's 500,000 people in our region. There's about 400,000 we came. 500,000 people in our region, which means more and more unsaved are coming to us. They're coming here. What's the church about? It was never about the pastor. It was never about being comfortable. It was about the gospel. Let's not forget that whatever you do, don't forget that's why you come to church in the morning every Sunday morning. That's why you meet with other believers to spur each other on for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying here, thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Can I stop right now and say this? Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. We all know everything's easier together than alone, right? Work projects at school. We, we, we can do okay alone. Some of you thrive alone, but they're always better together. More minds are better than one, right? Sports teams, it's fun to do individual sports. The camaraderie of team sports is so much better. Well, chores around the house. You like doing it yourself or together? They're always better together. Why so I say, I don't like to cook, but if you do it with me, it's fun. It's always better together. Thank you for doing this with us. We thank, we thank you for all the effort that's been put in. And this has been a group effort. And, and just keep going together for the gospel. Forget about all the other things that creep in. Go together for the gospel. Let's be honest. It is hard to do it by yourself. Live the Christian life. Amen? Amen. I told someone this week, I said, you know, it's hard to be a pastor, but I find most days it's just hard enough to be a Christian. We need each other. And this is why God has brought you together. This is why God has brought us together for the gospel. That hasn't changed. That that won't change, I pray. Keep going for the gospel. Let's be honest. You go out in your workplace, and sometimes some of you at home, you're all alone in your faith, and it's hard. You go into your workplace, you feel like you're the only Christian. Go to your sports events, your social activities, feel like you're all by yourself. This is where we come together to get fired up, to be reminded that we are not in this alone. There's so many people around us to spur us on for more gospel impact. I want to spur you on for more gospel impact. No matter who is here or who is not here, whoever is still here, it's for gospel impact in G- for Jesus Christ. Think of how that's played out in the last 10 years, man. We, we came here with my wife and I, a lot of prayer, and a core group of 20. Look how God has raised up elders. Look how God has raised up deacons and staff and servants of the Most High God to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. That's a beautiful thing. And that has not stopped and will not stop as long as our focus remains constant on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what you're here for. This is what the church thrives on in going forward. Being confident of this, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I love this verse. Here's a quick summary. What God has started, he will complete. 
God has started his work and he will complete it. Look at verse 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. I love this because there's not too many things I can be sure of anymore in this world. I'm not sure of a lot of things. I'm not even sure sometimes the decisions I make, but what I am sure of is that God, look who made this, he who began a good work. If you have your pen right now, circle the word he, he who began a good work in you, and it's he who will bring it to completion. Don't you love that about your salvation, brothers and sisters? God has started a work in you, and he is gonna bring that to completion. Think of salvation. Salvation is not an act of yourself. Salvation is not you finding God. It's not about your ability to be smart enough to understand the Bible or discern spiritual things. Salvation is about God. Ephesians 1 said, choosing you before the foundation of the world to be his. Just like your physical birth, you had no part in that. So your spiritual birth, you have no part in that apart from faith in Jesus Christ as he puts it in your heart. Think of this. This is the gospel. That he started a work in you. That he started a work in you. The gospel is he's going to bring it to completion in Jesus Christ. Sanctification. He's going to sanctify you through all the good and all the hard and all the ugly and all the bad. He's going to sanctify us together as a family now for the glory of his son. He who began a good work in you is going to complete it. Doesn't matter who else is in your life or not in your life, who's for you or who's against you, whether you seem to want to abandon God or not abandon God. God is, if you're his, he is, say it with me, he is, he is. going to complete the work. He started it, he will finish it. Amen. And in our church, same principle. He started it, finish it, he will. I can't mess that up, isn't that amazing? You can't mess that up. Isn't that fantastic news today? The God who's a starter is also a finisher. I'm one of those guys who likes to finish projects. I don't like to start them. I love to start them, but I also love to finish them. That's kind of why this week's been particularly hard. Eh? But yet in God's time. Any of you guys, the type of people who like to start jobs and not finish them? There's a lot of those in the world. Let's be honest. Anyone like that here? All these great ideas just can't seem to bring it to completion. You still have trim in your house that hasn't been done for the last 10 years. You go to your garage and you realize, that, man, I've been trying to finish this forever. There's a house on Effingham Street as I drive the back rows to church. There's a house on the left-hand side and it's been there forever. It doesn't look like anyone's going to finish it. And I drive by and I just want to stop and say, finish it already! For the love of everybody else, finish the house! Here's a good thing with God. He never leaves the house half finished. He always completes it. He's completing work in your life through every circumstance of your life. He's completing work in my life through every circumstance in my life. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to like it. We don't have to embrace it, but it's just plain true. And you can't get off God's plan. You can't opt out of God's plan. God has a plan. Our job is to surrender and get under God's plan. He who started a good work will complete it. I am confident of this, brothers and sisters. I am confident of this. Well, sometimes I doubt it for my own life. I'm confident of this. 
He's going to finish his work. Brian said it so aptly in his elder video on Friday. Some plant, some water, some reap, and some pull the harvest. By God's grace, and God's grace alone, we were here to plant. And we were here to watch God grow something awesome. In my spirit, sometimes I want to finish things that aren't mine to finish. But God's going to finish it. In his time and in his way, as we simply love Jesus and surrender to his plan. You with me on that? Amen. And we believe it for each other and we believe it for the collective church. This is who God is. Romans chapter 8, we know this very well. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. What do we know? What do we know? For those that love God, all things work together for good for those who God called according to his purpose. purpose. For those whom he foreknew, already covered that, he predestined to not just be saved, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified or made just right before God. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is our greatest hope and our greatest confidence in Jesus Christ is that he is not done yet. Think, listen, your own life. Do you ever get to the point where you sometimes just doubt that God's done? Think God's done with you? You ever get there? Experienced all this to experience about Jesus, and it was the good old glory days, and thankful for those, but I think God's done with me now. If you're honest, you'll say I've been there. More times I like to admit. Just let me tell you this in your personal life. God is not done with you yet. Maybe you stopped serving over the last number of years and you've gotten tired. Maybe you stopped serving, maybe you stopped coming to worship every Sunday because it just it's too hard now and there's too many other things to do. Can I remind you of this? God's not done with you yet. He wants to restore you the joy that you once had, the passion you had for him, the, the zeal in serving him. I know there's been hurts along the way. Hand up with you on that. I know there's been, there's been things that happen that we just don't get and we kind of put it upon God and God's not favorable towards me. That's not true. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to complete the work he started in you. If you've fallen off the train, I encourage you to get back on the train, the spiritual family. Let's go for Jesus Christ. He's not done with you yet. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. Don't get angry. Don't get cynical. Remember your salvation, your first saved, how excited you were. God wants to renew that in you again. He wants to complete the work he started. Same thing with the church. We've gone through seasons as a church. We've gone through the high of, man, things are taken off and, We've gone through the low of not just things aren't going anywhere, things seem to be going backwards. We've gone through the stuck seasons. We've gone through the amazing seasons, the excruciating, exhilarating highs. We've gone through the excruciating lows. And it's all part of God's purposes for us as part of the work that he is completing. Let him do it. Don't run, don't bail. Don't get cynical, don't get angry. Let God complete the work and maybe even restore unto you the passion that you once had. You know what the church needs now more than ever? You know what the church needs now more than ever? Everybody on board. 
Everybody rallying together, not trying to figure out the, the, the ins and the outs, rallying together for the cause of Jesus Christ. Because according to my rough calculations, there is still over 450,000 people in our region that need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let God complete his work. Knowing this, knowing this, that God has so much more in store for us. Look at verse 8. God has so much more in store for our lives. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Sorry, verse 7, sorry. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. I can attest to that today. We are yearning with you and for you. We love you and we always will. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so you may approve what is excellent and pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Notice this, notice this. Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, it's been great, it's been hard, there's many things, but know this, I, God has more to come in the areas of love, in the areas of knowledge, in the areas of discernment, in the areas of, of purity, In the areas of righteousness, he has more to come in seeing God do glory through our lives. Reality is this, that as you look ahead, I so don't want you to lament the past. I think the days are behind you. I want you to look forward with hope for what's ahead of you. It's easy to be the church. And I've prayed against the whole time we've been here that says, look what God did in the glory days. Look what God did back then. Look at how God was moving and people were saved and people were being baptized. Look what God has done. Instead, I want us to be a church as you move forward, as we move forward together, but apart. I want this to be a church that looks forward to like, what is God yet going to do in me? Because he's not done with you yet and in our church. See some of the things here? More and more love. This is something the church can always grow in, right? More and more love. That your love may abound more and more. I love that word more. That's kind of how I'm wired. You know that. I want more. I want more. I want more. If you want more of anything, more of this. More love. Would, would this even draw the church together in love? Please love each other. So many churches bicker and fight through these seasons. Don't do that for goodness. No, for God's sake. Amen. Love each other more than you maybe loved each other before. One of the things I think we, I said earlier, we kind of missed is we got so busy with things, we didn't just take time to love each other. Please learn, love each other, love each other more and more. Grow in the knowledge of God. Study your word like never before. Get into God's word. Let God speak to you in a new way, in the old, old book, new way, and grow in discernment as you seek to know what God's will is for your life and those around you because we ultimately want to be approved and excellent and pure and blameless before Jesus Christ on that day for the day of Christ. This really tags into the minor prophets, doesn't it? The day of Christ, the day of Christ, the day of Christ. This is all looking forward to the judgment day, the day of Christ. What do we do? More and more love, more and more knowledge, more and more discernment, more and more righteousness and holiness and purity. For when the day of Christ comes, when Christ comes for his own, he's going to look at Harvest Niagara and say, this church is mine. It's evidence not just by the words, not just by the worship, but by the way they live their lives. And that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. Starts and ends with the same thing. Slaves of Christ, slaves of Christ, 
through the power of Christ for the glory of God. For the glory of God. I don't know about you, but as I look at the days ahead for this church, I see a lot of positive things. See, the next 10 years being better than the last 10 years because the last 10 years we started with nothing. We're trying to get things going. The next 10 years you have already a church here in Momentum. You can take this and you can run for the glory of God. It's true. Band together. Don't separate. Pursue Jesus. He's the only one that truly matters anyways. I said it from the beginning. It's never been my church. It's never been my church. There's times I fought that and battled that, but this has never been my church. It's always been Jesus' church. I've always been your under-shepherd. He's going to bring in another under-shepherd. He's going to be better than I was. And God's going to lead you on in power for the glory of Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you with this too? The next guy God brings in, don't compare him to me. Don't, don't, don't try and think it's not like it used to be. It's not going to be like it used to be, but you know what? It's going to be better because God is doing it. And it's going to be right because God always knows what we need more than what we want. And because God is going to show you again the power and the glory of the living God. And don't stop glorifying God. Here's how most churches, it says over and over, here's how most churches go. Here's how they go. Start strong, all focused, all like energetic. We're going for Jesus Christ. It's powerful. We're riding the wave. The wave stops somewhere along the way. They start filtering and faltering. And 20 years later, no one's living for the glory of God anymore. They're living in this little social country club in the church. It is so far from the heart of God and the mission of God that people forget sometimes who God really is. Look at the church in Canada. That's what's happening the mainstream denominations, that's what's happened. Used to be focused, lots of them started on the right path, the right track. Things got tough, things got confusing, things got busy, they started getting focused on all kinds of the things, they took their eyes off of God and stopped focusing on the glory of God. That happens when God's presence departs. You stay low, church, you stay humble. Here's one thing I wanna see more and more in this church is even as we leave, more prayer, more prayer. Let us bind you together in prayer and truly, honestly, a commitment to prayer in the local church, a commitment to getting on your knees and coming together. Remember the days you started with us, how, how earnest we were in prayer? We've lost that as a church. We just have. I'm not sure why I preached and I've pleaded and I've prodded and, and I'm just praying this even bring you back together to a place where this place is packed with people on their faces saying, oh God, now what? No more complacency. No more comfort. We want the living God. We want the living God. All we want is God. Nothing but God. All but God. That's what I pray. God renew that spirit in here. That you can look back on in the next 10 years. My prayer for you is this. Only God did the first 10. And surely only God did the second 10. And we're not one of those churches that goes like this. This is a, this is a, this is a, a moment where we stop and re, we regather ourselves. And now we go like this. One more time. It's God's heart. It's God's will. It's my heart too. Follow you in the church. We love you.
True, true. It's been a very imperfect love, but I pray that's shown through. Before you, it's not changed. But for Jesus, still true. I have the heart of Paul for this church. Something not super Christian like Paul. And we want nothing best for this church for the glory of Jesus Christ. A little shorter today, partly because it was a sermon prepped in a day. Partly because there's a lot going on. I didn't think you guys needed a great big long deal today. Partly because the lights went out and I lost track of all my notes. But this is an ordained day by God. And we embrace it. God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 42.2, nothing can thwart the plans of the living God. May we rejoice in the church that has been established by God and will continue forward by God in the days ahead. Cherish your God. Cherish your church. As I said over and over and over again in 10 years, don't leave anything on the table. Live full out. Live full out. Joys, pains, is all part of life. Comings and goings are all part of life. Live full out. Live full out. We pursue everything in this life. Stop pursuing everything else. Pursue Jesus. Stop wasting your time in frivolous things. Pursue the body of Christ. And the glory of Christ will be here. And the world will be changed as we live for Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we love you this morning. We're thankful for who you are, for all that you've done, for all that you are doing. God, give us hope. Give us joy. Give us peace. God, rally the troops for another 10 years of gospel impact in our lives and through our lives. Sanctify us, oh God. I have so much sanctification to go. So does our church, God. Sanctify us. Protect us from thinking that we are so high and mighty, like the book of Obadiah says, and protect us from thinking we're so up there that you'd have to tear us down. Bring us down now, God. Get us on our knees. Get us humble. Get us together. Get our eyes on Jesus yet again as they always have been, to the best of our ability, and stir within us, stir within us the Holy Spirit to love you, love each other, and impact the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I'm thankful for today. Mixed emotions all around for all of us. But overall, I pray, God, we'd be thankful for our church history. We'd be thankful for the church that is, and we look forward to the church that is to come in Jesus Christ. We love you, God. We cherish you. We cherish our time here. In Jesus' name, amen.